You gotta hit it harder. It's your birthday, bitch. <laughs> you know, I, I always feel like the past couple years, I've always recorded on my birthday in the same room we recorded last year. This it is was, true. It was faking in yes. here. But we have gone up to AC. We've grown. We have things. We are mature. That's it. We are hot packs. That's right. Um, well, it is my birthday. That's right. You know, um, I feel a little intrigued to sing a little ditty. Okay. A little okay. Do-wop, okay. You know? We got a little song, a mm-hmm. little Ace Selection. What we got? A little Ace Selection. <clears throat> this pussy should come with an ass with her. He in and out, in and out, breathing. Ooh. I got him huffing and wheezing. Yeah, ah. yeah. He loses air. He ah. loses air. Ah. He loses air. Ah. He knows it's too good. Ah. Ah, yes, think about good books on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, welcome back to a Social Experiment Gone Wrong. That's right. Um, the advanced class of shame, if you will. Yes, advanced class of shame. I love that. Yes, welcome to a gently we like to call Who Raised You Home. That's right, because we y'all. It's a question we ask repeatedly every time. Every week, and we still ain't found the answer. Yet. Anyway, I am um, your host, Lene. Um, my my Twitter handle is going to be um, birthdaybus105. Yes, birthdaybus105. And I am your co-host, Marlon. I love Lene. My new um, Twitter handle is going to be um, meet Lene on the Lene. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yes, I like Very Lene. much so. Yeah. We, are re- um, we are officially retiring Lenethia. You are Lene from now on. I like that. I prefer Lene. I like um, <laughs> all right. So let's get into the things. Um, Prideful Sounds is still a thing. It's still going on. It's still exists. We're still here. Um, we have two lovely artists here with us today. Um, one is returning, but he's technically new here now. And then we have an- we have another special guest here with us as well. Gentlemen, we have a tradition. We don't introduce our guests. We allow our guests to introduce themselves. Well, I am Don Plus the Don Star, uh, singer, songwriter extraordinaire. Um, yeah, what's up, y'all? Talk the thing. Welcome, Don Plus. It's your boy, Big C. I'm gonna always keep it hood. Okay. Always keep it hood. I'm married to Blige's son that she ain't know she had. Oh my God, not the love child. Yeah, I like that. Was she, was she the child she was talking about um, when yeah, she said it's yeah, your child? Yeah. Wow. Really oh, how, how could you deny your own flesh and blood? Damn. <laughs> and we are here, you guys. Um, before we get into stop talking, I see you. I'm you trying to, I want to know you these questions. I said no. So a little backstory for the listeners here. Um, Dixie and I are not strangers to one another. We're actually best friends. Yeah. So my task as interviewing him as an artist has been keeping the questions away from him. Oh my God. And he's been trying to keep them all morning. <laughs> That's not fair. That's an unfair advantage, okay? Right. So no, no they, they won't let me see, man. They no. won't let me see. No. Sorry, none. Um, however, it is still Pride Month, and we did have a bit of a situation. Yes. Um, if you guys are not familiar on social media, there was a young man, I believe, by the name of Tyler. Yes. Who, if we remember this video, he allowed his, come to find out from the investigation, it was his brother and sister mm-hmm. that did this to him. Mm-hmm. Um, they, first of all, as a Black person in general, Black men in particular, it is Father's Day. We hold a very, very sacred thing when it comes to our lineup. Just our hair. Our hair in general, but mainly for Black men is our lineup. That one man had his hairline pushed all the way back like he was 55. Mm -hmm. Then they had the nerve to carve the word gay into the size of his hair. His father lost it. Like when Mm -hmm. I say lost it, pushing him, yelling at him, the mother, I believe, was sitting there agreeing with her. Meanwhile, his siblings are recording the whole thing. He's being pushed and shoved into a corner. Now, <clears throat> later on, he gets online and he's telling people, basically, it's not that serious. They would never do anything to hurt me. But 
what I did notice from reading directly from Gay e Magazine, he, they were specifying that if you listen closely, he was being coached. Yes, he was. So it came out around on Juneteenth at midnight. He was removed from the home. They're currently still awaiting the court. Yeah, by child service, by Georgia Child Services. They are, I believe, DSCS is the name of the company for the name of the child, the family protector. DCFS. Mm-hmm. DCFS. So, of course, it led to everyone having a mix of opinion. So, my question is do you guys feel like who's at fault here, really? Is at, my real question. At fault for what exactly? At fault, like mm-hmm. in reaction. I'm I'm questioning the reaction because in this situation, yes, their children are going to be children, but in the reaction was e- first was either parent wrong. <laughs> yeah, take this one. Go for, go for it first. Right. I'm still processing. I feel like the parents reacted completely wrong mm-hmm. to the whole situation because. I just come from a different generation where, like, if my brothers and sisters would have did that to me when we walked in the house before I would have got attacked, they would have got the shit smacked out of them for even doing that to my head. Mm-hmm. So it was just like to see that there was no repercussion for the people that put him in the situation to be abused. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel, um, I feel like there, it's really just highlighting what actually happens in our communities all the time, and I think it's not something that's new. <laughs> to be right. honest. Um, it's something that just happened to get caught on camera. I can, I know several people from growing up, because I'm from South Carolina. So I know several people growing up where they had, maybe not the same exact experience, but have gone through something similar because of them acting uh, feminine. Or even myself, like being in school or engaging with different people and, um, and being treated differently just because of the way that I walk or because I have a high pitched voice or whatnot. And so, I feel like what this does signal is the fact that the there's a deeper issue other than the fact that, oh, this, who's the blame here? Yeah. Uh, the deeper issue is that it's really just like, hey, y'all got caught, and this is like a bigger issue in the community at large. Um, that honestly, that, that's sad that it still happens. Yeah, I, for me, it's the thing that's kind of wearing me out is like, what did y'all expect to happen after you posted this online? Like, did you expect for everyone to just be like, oh, yeah, like, humiliate this little boy um, for being who he is? And, you know, I have to, I have to say that I'm very, very proud of the LGBT community, particularly. Um, Shout out to uh, trans activist Hope Giselle for Mm -hmm. really, like, doing what she does all the time, which is mobilizing um, yet again, we are saved by a trans woman, but that's another story. For another, um, another time. <laughs> for another time. Another but, that part. you know, I'm, I'm proud of us for not letting this slide and not falling into this mindset of that's not my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and really doing something about it. You know, I know that everyone, there's a lot of conversation about um, how safe he will actually be in the system, so forth and so on. But it's high time for us to stop um, to stop thinking so negatively and, and putting it in a space where it's like, well, where is he going to be worse off? Because if we take him out of the house, he could be picked up by somebody else that could abuse him again. And it's like, so what's the answer? So what are we doing? We're just going to watch him? Like, we're going to act like we didn't see it? So, you know, as far sounds as like... like the, sounds like the 2020... Uh... Election. Yeah, well, you know, and that's another story. As far as they're being bringing up all the skeletons, exactly. As far as they're like being a fault or anything, it was a lot of parties that fault. There's a lot of moving pieces, yeah. but it all just goes back to again. This is only what we've seen, seen of this story. Of we don't know what happened weeks, months, days, hours. Yesterday, before, day yeah. before, what happened when the cameras went off. But one thing we do know is that this shit didn't just start the day that it was recorded. No. Mm-hmm. No. It looked too exactly looked too regular. And then furthermore, yeah. their mindset and how they feel about gay people mm-hmm. didn't just start the day before it got recorded. 
But no, no, his brother and sister, that they, they, they need that discipline too. Because they, yes. they, they knew they were, they yes. knew what they were going to walk him into. Right. Doing they, that yeah. they can't get that discipline because they were taught, taught to believe that that's how it should be handled. Yeah, yeah. So this is not something that's linear to their mindset. Yeah. They learned this from somebody. Right. There's also this idea, and this kind of popped up with the Gorilla uh, Glue Girl where society has now created this bubble of if i put this on the internet i get some type of attention exactly. and that is also the the mindset of the people recording is like hey i know that this is something that we do but let me put this on the internet because i know somebody out there is going to like it but someone's out there going is going to hate it and either way that's going to make it go viral. Way it's going to go viral yeah yeah, and I think that's a. I think people are okay with it, okay with showing how polarizing their views are because mm-hmm. they, they just want a reaction. That's all they really want, which is sad. Really at the expense of this child. That's what it is. The thing that got me was I didn't see anything happen to the siblings, but they were the ones recording it. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, how? And if he I go, did not, if I was the way our parents. Well, I could speak mainly for my generation. Like you, you're there with us. My, our parents would never allow stuff like this to happen. My mother's type of person would have been like, "You didn't get here by yourself. So which one of y'all helped them?" Yeah, because that's everybody going to get it at the same the, time. Yeah, that's the kind of parent I grew up with. Like, nah, yeah, he's not alone in this. Who helped him? Because I'm about to rough you mm-hmm. up. But and that's what I come from too. I'd have walked in that crib. Yeah, it would have been a wrap for my brothers and sisters and you, <laughs> but it would have been a wrap for them. My mother was equal opportunity. Everybody can get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's closest. <laughs> Whatever is closest. Yeah, Felt a slipper. <laughs> matter. Yeah, nah, All man. right. So now that we have gotten past that, let's get back into the Pride for Sounds event. And it is time for our Question. All right, y'all know we like to kick things off with an icebreaker. So we're going to get an icebreaker from Lene and an okay. icebreaker from myself as well. So you oh, want to oh, kick it off? Oh, okay. All right. That's what you want to do. That's what we're going to do today. My icebreaker is going to be called Pick One. So last week, you guys heard me do Pick One. However, this week, I'm more prepared. Let's do it. <laughs> um, pick One, Shade or Anita Baker? Anita Baker. I gotta take a drink on this. Okay, one. so here's the penalty two. if you cannot make a decision between the two, you must take a shot or a drink of whatever is in your cup. Next one, Anita Baker TV. Come on, <laughs> Shade. Are we? Oh, I mean, come on, all members of that group assembled together just make phenomenal music. Yes, fair. Next, <laughs> next one, Aaliyah or Maya? Aaliyah, Aaliyah. Oh, okay. But that, she jumped out the window like, ah, <laughs> I did not know that. This. <laughs> Next one, Anthony Hamilton or Dave Hollister? Oh, Dave Hollister. Damn. Dave Hollister for me. I'm sorry. I love Anthony, but Dave Hollister. That, that, I have Dave Hollister. Disclaimer, I have to make it known. Because I know who I'm interviewing, I had to make this a little complicated. <laughs> um, the next one is going to be D'Angelo or Dwelle. D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Okay. Prince or Michael Jackson? Prince. Michael. Mm. Michael. SWV or TLC? SWV. <laughs> ah yeah, yes. take a drink. I love it. All right, so I'm gonna it. roll into the first question right here. Can I do my icebreaker? Oh, you want to do the icebreaker now? Yeah. I thought you were gonna break it up. Oh. Okay, go ahead then. All right, so um, my icebreaker for you guys: if you could describe your sound with a color, what color would that be, and why? Mm-hmm. Okay. Turquoise. Um, so I I say that because it's it's bold, but it can play a nice subtle, you know, feel to it. Um and it's also not something that you see paired well with everything. It's very like you have to pair it together. Yes, I love that. I wear my color all the time. Why would you describe it as blue? It's definitely blue. Why blue? 
it's it's cold. It's it's rough. It's hard. It's calming too. It's it's it's, it's a lot. It's a lot in one. It's a complicated element of a color. Okay, next bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna roll into the next question here. What song made you fall in love with music? Ooh, I can't narrow it down to a song. Okay, okay. but the Wayne Sexel soundtrack made me fall in love with music. Ooh, hey, talk about, about that. that. Tell us a little bit more about that. So. I mean, it just made me fall in love with every element. First, you have songwriting, where you have Babyface, who was able to take all these artists and able to write completely different songs to mm-hmm. fit still on the same soundtrack to fit a full movie. Like, that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just what every artist brought. Like, these artists were in their prime when this uh, soundtrack came out. And it's just like, how were you able to do that? How, like, it, it's, just, it's a genius project. Not to mention, it was looking back on it, it was filled with nothing but black women. There was not one male on that art on that album at all. Damn, you're right. There was yeah. not one male. That was all how it works. Was not not one. Yo, that was this track. is how it works. Was no, my favorite track uh, that entire project was Chaka Khan's rendition of My Funny Valentine, yes. which is the best one. To yes. I don't care what no yes. one I, you know what? Because I haven't heard a song like that in a while. Of course, if you really know me, you know my favorite song on there is Way You. Uh, but I was just I, thinking about that song. <laughs> but if I had to choose, I would go with How Could You Call Her Baby? Mm. That was a song. Mm. That was, was a full on song. There was so much emotion yeah, in How Could You Call Her Baby. Like she sounds yeah. <laughs> You really listen to it. Listen. Sorry. I can't. Like, even even just that project. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just gonna say, even with that project, kind of like you get every age of woman experience <laughs> in yeah. heartbreak. You have, like, you have like Brandy, who's like young as hell, talking about sitting in her room, but it flows so well with a with a, a shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. That makes yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, it's not one; mm. it's two in particular. Is I have nothing. Whitney Houston, okay, mm. and Suge Otis, Strawberry Letter Twenty Three. Mm. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about that. Please get into that. Yes. Mm. Download my new single. Based off the Strawberry Letter 23. I had to make sure that single out. But no, uh, yeah, that song just transcended a whole multiple generations of time. And just growing up, it's like every five years I would hear somebody else sample. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, this song came out in 1968 and just has the ability to still be here now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm an adult now. And I mean, I mean, I think Beyonce is probably Rather Be With You was the best rendition that I heard of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it but mm. not too many people know how it was sampled was literally just the melody. It was the melody. It was the melody of the, the melody. piano that she sung. She, she didn't even use the beat. I like the way you look at me. That's true. Yeah, it was like phenomenal. So like, yeah, mm. I think those those two songs really that's what made me stop in my tracks and tell my mom, like, yo, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Hmm. Mm. Oh. All right. Um, so let's jump into the next question we have. Um, explain your stage name. Where did it come from? The Ooh. origins? What was the inspiration behind it? Tell us about it. Talk to the children. Talk to the children. Um, so I used to have another name, but it was too close to my government and it was a little boring. I was like, eh. Um, <laughs> it was like, eh. But uh, Don is part of my government name. Uh, and a plus just really signifies that I'm not limited to music. Like, I went to school for writing, so I literally write every type of genre. Um, I write screenplays, I'm working on a memoir, a poetry book. And so I did not want to be limited to just a a singer or a songwriter. Um, And so it really just lets people know that there's like more things to come. So yeah, Don Plus, I'm I'm allowed to sing. Love that. that Come on, sir. I'm right now. Um, Real simple. Well, my government name start with a C, y'all. I'm not going to say that, but (laughs) it also... uh, happens to be the same name as one of my favorite artists, which is Pimp C. Okay. And we actually share movies mm. and government first names. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> Big Biggie. I've all, like, when anybody asks me, what do you want to do with music? I'm like, I want to tell the stories that Biggie told, but I want to do it with Whitney Houston's voice. 
Look, come on, taglines. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Listen. All right. So I'm going to roll directly into it. I'm not going to hold a punch. Y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Name your two top vocal influences. Oh. Uh, you might have to go first. Whoever is ready, please. Go for go first, Don. <laughs> so, 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 clarification: When we are we specifically talking about vocal, like not talking about sound, um, vocal influences are Donna Jones, um, um, Tevin Campbell. You, you only you get two. two. You add an extra. Only two. Only two. Add, okay, yeah. Those, you get an honorable those mention. Those my, get your honorable mention. And honor, if I were to say an honorable mention, mm-hmm. I would say Music Soul Child. Come on, Music Soul Child. All right. You don't get enough. Yeah. All right, Big C. Uh, <laughs> I already said Whitney, so. Okay. We know that. And uh, Carl Thomas. Nice. nice. Come on, Carl. <laughs> you said Darnell. Well, you said Darnell. Like you got to show love, an underrated gem in R and B. Yes. Listen, oh, they need all their flowers, all of them. Yes, yes they, they do. do. So we're gonna flow right into the next question. Right after that, name your top two songwriting influences. <laughs> That's a long list for me. Top two. No honorable mention. No honorable mention. All right. No honorable mention. Top two. Um, top two, baby face. Okay. All right. And baby face and static major. Those are my, my two. Okay. Ooh, okay. Oh, you took one of mine, so I'm gonna I mean you I, I always put static up there because I mean the that pen was ridiculous, but uh I'm gonna go with Mariah Carey and Jermaine Dupree. Oh, they're together. Is like something. I, even though I am not a big Mariah Carey stan like that, I have always appreciated her songwriting. Because her pen, her pen game is out of this yeah, story. like it's, the proof is in the fucking pudding, child. Like, <laughs> come on, Listen, like she we know the way the, around the, the roof. roof? The roof alone was just. See, I don't, I don't uh, know. I have uh, to listen. I uh, uh, the Butterfly album. The thank Butterfly album in later. its entirety. That, that just pen, that pen was not playing play in its entirety. It's thank me later. Season <laughs> um, me. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Big C, can you please tell the story behind Red Light Number 24? <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Check out my new single. I'm going to say it a million fucking times because I'm so fucking proud of this song. <laughs> um, it's real simple. Mm-hmm. We all kind of been in a situation where maybe we was on our way home from a club, a restaurant, anywhere mm-hmm. with our partner, our boo, girl, boy, whatever. And they want to get their point across so fucking hard that they're not paying attention to the fact that they're about to get into an accident over this shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, can we wait till we get home and talk about it? Because I'm not trying to die with you just getting your point across. So it's really, I, I kept it very direct. Watch out for the red light before we crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not worth it. Okay. Your, your point ain't worth our lives. It ain't. <laughs> <laughs> so is this like a, it's, it's does a it... setup for the album? Oh, so okay. the, 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 the album is Ooh. called Big Dreams on Food Stand Means. Mm-hmm. This is like the first yes. title. <laughs> Come on. And this is only volume one. I'm gonna give y'all three of them. So love it. Uh, Are you thinking about the mixtape days? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, volume one. I think Red Light is the perfect song to kick it off because it and it embodies all of the emotions that you're gonna go through. It's a it's a ride. Okay. It's a real ride. It's everything from I'm gonna cheat on you, so you shouldn't even be with me to I don't even want to go to church this Sunday. I want to go to the strip club and praise the bitch's body. Like mm. it, it's it's everything. Okay, so the project has you already have like this. Oh, it's, idea it's, and it's done. It's, it's shouts out to Fetty Wap. Shouts out to all my bo- bills. That's first and foremost. My producer, engineer, manager, everything. Mm-hmm. He really he got me to get in that bag. And, and he sat me there with the pen and it was just like, yo, no, I need you to be you. 
Mm-hmm. Don't worry about how fucked up it sounds. Don't worry about if you sound toxic. Don't worry about none of that shit. Because mm-hmm. somebody out there had this same story and they need to hear themselves spoken about. Mm-hmm. So stop being afraid. Just go. And I I went. And I'm this project. I wrote my ass off on this project. Word. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Don, quick question for you, sir. Um, yeah. Your song, Make Your Move, has a familiar feel to the iconic Aaliyah track, One in a Million. Talk about the thing. Tell us about the creation of this song and your vision for it. So when I wrote the song, it, um, it really wasn't supposed to be like this. Oh, I'm trying to push up on somebody type of song. It really was a message to myself. Like, if I'm going to do this music thing, I really got to do it. Like, I can't pussy foot it. I can't, you know, halfway do it. Um, Aaliyah is my favorite artist. Down in her style, um, to me, she is the the birth of Trap Soul. There will be no Trap Soul without Aaliyah, without Ooh, Static, that, without, without Missy, without Timbaland. That would not be a thing. And so for me, it was like, I wanted to create a record that showed that, but also showed that I could update it and make it my own and it not be something that was repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's what you got with Make a Move. I feel like Make a Move shows every bit of my talent from me being able to rap, from me, you know, the stacks inside of my, my verses and on my chorus, um, the harmonies. Like, I wanted a record that showed what I could do, but was also, you know, something that you would hear on the radio and something that people could about. Yes, because I could definitely hear that song being played on the radio, like, heavy. And I was, I was captivated by it because you get the reference immediately, but the way that you put your stamp on it made it mm, a brand new experience. Yeah, yeah. And I always enjoyed that about artists that can make that happen without feeling like they're copying yeah. or like, oh, I got this inspiration and I'm going to do it just like them. You took it to a place where I was like, I get it, but his rendition of this and his like vision for it is so fucking dope to me. I'll say that. And that's what I really wanted. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. You can speak. No, I was, what I really wanted to show people is that it goes beyond sampling a record. I think right now we're in this place where we're just sampling records and doing whatever on top or taking words verbatim from records and melodies verbatim mm-hmm. from records mm-hmm. that haven't, that have just now reached 20 or 30 years. It's like, can we, can we give it more time before we do that? <laughs> so <laughs> so if, I'm, if I'm going to use a beat that reminds people of a record, I at least want to transform it. Um, and make it feel like something new. And I think that's where a lot of the pitfalls happen with these 90 samples is that people want to sample it because it's so classic, but they're not making it their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I feel like when you listening to Make a Move, it was paying homage in the proper way. When you're so, when you take from something from the past, you're supposed to pay homage and make it your own. You're not supposed to, but, excuse me, supposed to flip it and make part two of the song. Yeah. Because when a lot of people now sample... It what they'll do is they'll take the sample and basically remake the song. Right. When you take a yeah. sample, you're supposed to find a way to make it your own, sound like your own, not completely remake the song. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Let's get me started. Those are conversations for other times. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep time. I'm going to say this one for Don. Can you please tell us what inspired the creation of Don Star? Don Star. So, Don Star's out now. Go play that. Go buy it. Do everything. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> you didn't know the song already. Yes. Don't get me started. You know, uh, not now. Not now. Big <laughs> is not going to out promote me, okay? So, yeah, go play that. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but, um, so, when I made that record, I oh, the first thing that popped in my head when I heard the beat was A. Marie's Why Don't We Fall In Love. That was the first thing that popped in my head. Um, I heard that. Oh, I heard Superstar. goodness. Wow. Yes. Um, I heard Superstar by Usher. Like, that's all, like, as soon as I heard the record. Um, I actually was not going to record the record. It was not going to be part of this project. It was, it was a record that I had played with, and I was like, I'm just going to sit it right here. Um, but... I just kept listening to it over and over again. I kept adding stuff to it. I would say this is the song that I put a lot of work into and thought into. And typically when I make music, it naturally just flows out. And I kind of, I go back and I edit it, I revisit it. Um, but this song was very meticulous with it. And I took my time and I thought about how it went to sound and what the vision for it was. Um, 
so yeah, Dogstar is really just about finding that that one person that just makes you smile and just does all the things that you want them to do, and it makes you want to do that. Um, and it's also a letter to my my current small group of fans and and the fans I'm going to have in the future. You know, like, um, small yeah, but, group, bro, that's a huge group of fans. You got some some. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's what they're called, and and I appreciate them. So that's all for them. Okay. What, what I did notice as I was, of course, listening to Don Star and Make a Move, it's giving me prelude to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, oh. it, and honestly, <laughs> Don Star make, is, has me anticipating it. I'm not going to hold you. So, I don't uh, know well, you're... I mean, there, there are some, I have some things in the work. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I really sat and thought about what this project, I'm going to tell you now, yes, there's an EP coming. Um, and so, like, Don Star really kind of like sets the course for that. So, I'm really excited to be out of here. Yes, thank okay. you for that song, bro. Thank we needed you. that. So, Big C, it's, it's oh, you gotta love it. So, on See You Later, the epilogue, you have a banger called Damages. Talk about the Tell us about the inspiration for creating that song. Oh, very much like Don, we're in the same world. Aaliyah is my favorite artist, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't get any more top tier than her. Fashion, sound and voice, uh, picks and production, everything. Uh, it's phenomenal. But uh, yeah, there's actually a small sample from We Need a Resolution in there. Mm. And mm. I had to take that. that. It's literally why I say it in the hook uh, find a resolution, start the damages. Like, I literally just like kind of threw that in there so that people could have that nostalgia. But like, yeah, that, that, that was really the thought behind that song. And that song is on some real shit. That pandemic fucked a lot of relationships up. Yo, it was like, (laughs) I was listening to it. I was like, sir, you're not going to give me a banger and then relate it to everything we already been through. That was specifically for 2020 because like people need to go back and realize that that shit did something different. It it caused a lot of damages. The one one thing that's nostalgic about your sound is, I can give a tidbit, when when I listen to AO Show, and oh, remember you. when I remember shouts out to King Mose and King Nico yes. for fucking doing that track yeah, with me. Y'all for real. Oh my god, remember, thank you. I remember being I when you sent when you sent it to me, Russ. I remember I was like, I'm driving, you gotta give me a second. He's like, no, let's do it now. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I remember I listened to it. I called you back. I was like, that's what the fuck we're talking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was very much Jill's got like that's what the fuck yeah. was talking about. And Ayo Chill actually has a sample from Can't You See from uh, Total and Yes, it does. Mm. And King Mose came in and did his thing as my biggie on that track, <laughs> bro. Like, yo, thank you. I love people who really got bars. Yo, Don, shout out. Like, I love that you write rap too. I write rap too, but I'm scared of my rap voice, so it always ends up so, being. Are you are you are you getting like are you getting like D A O bitch type like, vibes? Like I just want to know. Oh no, I feel like, like I feel like I sound very bored when I rap. So mm-hmm. like because I sound bored, I'm like nah, my I go when it's time to sing. But I feel like Mary feel the same way, and I told y'all I'm her son. Like this is real. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. To, it's time to take a nosedive into those deeper questions. Oh, there's uh. three. We got three more for y'all, and they're deeper. Mm. Um, I'm going to go first. I'm going to pick and choose. Okay. So here we go. Tell us a bit about your creative process. What does your collaboration with production look like in comparison to your vision for your art? Ooh, that's so loaded. Well, my creative process sounds very simple, but it starts with the blunt. Um and <laughs> uh, and I only and I only say that because I just have to be in a relaxed state. I have to be in in the company of people that I'm comfortable with or by myself. Um, because writing is very very personal. I I've not only is it something that I used to express emotion, it's something I've gone and studied. So like when I'm writing, um, whether it's me just spitting or me like actually putting pen to paper, I'm very meticulous. It's it's very um, sometimes hyperbolic in the sense that it may, might sound extreme. And so I need to be around people who are okay with that or just don't be in the space. Um, so my creative process is just, it just has to be a space where I can fully be myself as an artist um, and not a space where I feel confined to what other people saying or the sound that someone wants me to make. Um, 
because I feel like once you get to that bubble, that's when you have the issue of asking yourself, is this a good record? When at the end of the day, you should be asking, is this a record I love? That's mm. So that, that's how I approach uh, my creativity. Um, pretty much the same thing. It always starts with a blunt and at least a, like a shot of whiskey or vodka. Uh, a little backstory. My parents actually sent me to songwriting camp really? when I was 11 years old. So I knew how to write the structure of like a full on heartbreak song at 11, like because it was like my, my, no, my mom was so serious about it. Like when she heard me sing, mother was like, oh, you're the one that got it. Mm. We're going to make money off of this. We're sending you to songwriting camp. We're sending you to vocal lessons. We're sending you to the, all this shit. Ended up doing Broadway by the time I was 10. Like it was, it, it was a lot. <laughs> But uh, yeah, my process is really what I learned from the start. And that's just to look inside of yourself mm-hmm. and not be afraid of your darkest moments because that's going to help you write your best words. Come on, man. Exactly. Exactly. Um, before- you, can't be, you can't be scared of yourself. You yeah, yeah you, can. you can't. You got to look at yourself. And I mean, I do it on the daily. I talk to myself in the mirror, but I don't think it's crazy. I think it's everybody need to check themselves. Absolutely. Hey, bitch. bitch. So before we go on to the next question, um, because we asked this on a previous episode, and I want to get you guys insight on it uh, to piggyback off of that. So you both agree that you have to be real with yourself when it comes to your songwriting process and your artistry. So um, I want to know, like, we've noticed that a lot of the songs that we relate to usually come from a space of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you feel like it's possible to create art and songs that are relatable, um, that come from a brighter and happier space? I think it's totally possible. I think, um, I told you guys that A. Marie, Why Do We Follow Love was like an inspiration with Downstar. That song is like, so iconic to me because it just sticks. It's, it's yes. like I cannot start my summer without listening to that song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's time to clean. That's that it was the intro to her album. Yeah, like, it's that's time to house. Hello. Open these windows. Yeah. We the right? <laughs> and so, like, it's I, I'm actually one of those people where I can take. It's almost like I can take experiences and feelings and put them in a place until I need them. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like with records where you're happy and excited, I mean, it's easier for me to, to write those records in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Dogstar, I wrote that when I was, like, questioning us about it. It was like, ooh, yes, this is what I want him to do, and yada, 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 this is what it would look like. Um, and so I think happier records are easier to do that way. I think the, the uh, records that are sad and very emotional, mm-hmm. the, the, the toll it takes to pull them from the back of your memory to the passion of the song. And so I typically, when I think of, when, I, when I'm writing sadder songs, I typically think of things that happened in the past, whereas happier songs is like, let me write this in a moment because I'm excited about this thing. Okay. Ironically, I'm opposite. Mm-hmm. I can only write mm-hmm. happier songs if I start the song of usually telling you what the, I'm, I'm one of those people where it's like, you got to walk through the mud to see the light type okay. shit. So it's like, I really, even if it is a positive, brighter song, mm-hmm. I usually gotta talk to you about the pain of it first that took it so that you could really appreciate the brightness. Okay. Like you ain't gonna appreciate that brightness if it was bright for the whole time for me. Mm-hmm. You're gonna appreciate it when you like, oh, that, that nigga worked to get there. The, you know what I mean? The thing is what I find authentic to your sound is I grew up in the Tri-State area. So I know how the grit sounds from like the 90s and the early 2000s, especially those things like I said I mentioned that you'll chill you hear the grittiness like it's a certain it's the only way to describe artists from New York they have a certain grittiness when it comes to their music because it's more of a conversation inside of yeah exactly but it's like even when you listen to the beats they sound darker like especially in the 90s they sound darker they sound heavier but it was the aesthetic for that time and I feel like with your sound you're picking up the torch from where it left off because we get them, but it's not as much anymore. Yeah. Like the return that we saw the grittiness really was pop smoke. Because I love, I love, I love everything about pop smoke's energy. I mean, I I, I love this energy. That rest in peace to that young man. 
Yeah. He, was, he was about to do something different. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go into the next question and let you take the last one. Gotcha. Uh, so uh, my next question for both of you is what were the steps you took into curating your sound? <laughs> How has that elevated throughout your throughout your musical career thus far? Oh, okay. So for me, it started off because I have a classically trained voice. Mm-hmm. I first went the route of like making the classic R and B like kind of ballads where I'm like singing full out, mm-hmm. and then I really had to start understanding myself as a conversationalist inside of my lyricism Mm -hmm. and that the easiest way for me to convey and process a sound is by just being literally myself Mm -hmm. so like he's saying on ayo chill i have lyrics in there where i'm like um word that's how you're feeling right now that's me on some normal shit word that's how you're feeling right now like i would say that Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like how like how like i'm gonna ask you them questions that's me so i I think for me, my process is really just making sure I stay true to how I naturally would talk anyway. Gotcha. Because that's the only way people are really going to relate. Mm-hmm. When they see me outside of a music video or hearing a song, when they talk to me, they're like, oh shit, he speaks the same way he writes. Now okay. it helps them connect a little bit better okay. and deeper. And then sonic-wise sounds is really really deep with me because i listen to each and every instrument like in its own kind of space i I don't i don't when i first hear a beat i never hear the beat in its entirety like as one track i'm like oh pianos need to go up on the a key oh guitars need to go down we need to hit a bass guitar here we need more funk here where's the james brown kick in here i need that like i'm i'm very i'm super technical it takes me about like six hours to just get through the production of the beat and how I want it set up for me to write. So Okay. Okay. So and our final question, I think okay. Oh, my bad. I'm <laughs> rushing. My name can say I get it. I get it. No, like when in thinking about curating my sound, the first thing that popped in my head is like I miss R and B and hip hop that I used to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um and if it's not something that I go, ooh, I'm going to play that again, then it's not something that I'm going to write or something that's that's I'm going to like it. Mm. Um, so that's always been like how I've kind of like developed my sound. I always knew that I wanted to show the spectrum of what R&B is um, and what R&B was. I feel like we kind of lost touch of that and kind of look at it as a singular thing. Um, and so that's what I always seek out to do. I never want anyone to be able to say like, oh, all his music sounds exactly the same or oh, he's, um, he's just biting a particular sound or feels like, no, like this is something I've sat and I've like listened to every single song to make sure it's something that I love and it's something that I want to listen to. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then it's not something I'm going to do. Take that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, what's the finale? <laughs> <laughs> so for my final question, um, you guys might want to take a little drink for this because it's Y'all know I close out the interviews if you haven't been listening with a difficult question. And I thought of this one. Just to point out. <laughs> All right, here it goes. Do you feel non-gender confined uh, identifying lyrics in non-content uh, contact music videos is the best way for an artist to reach mainstream success? Oh, that... So, I've actually been having this conversation with myself. I've had this conversation myself a lot. Um, it just so happens I naturally write in a way that doesn't specify gender most of the time. Um, if you go through my lyrics, you might get one he out of out of a song. Um, I think I don't think it's great as far as like being mainstream. I think it's great in the sense of. I remember being a kid singing Usher Superstar or any Donnell Jones song or any Simon Campbell song and in my head wanting to say boy. Mm. Or, and, and that's always been an issue for me because it was like, I love this song and I'm passionate about this song, but every time I get to this word girl, I'm not as, I, like, I can even feel it in my voice when I'm singing it that my voice is not into it. Right. And so 
I really, when writing, I've just naturally turned into someone who's just like, if I'm going to make music, I want anyone to find themselves in the music. Does that take me mainstream? That's not my purpose for it. Um, but the goal is I want everyone to look at it and be like, hey, I was able to sing this song and not feel attacked or not included or whatever. Um, but I think there is a benefit to it. Um, just like there's a benefit to like right now saying, making sure you mention gender when it comes to a guy um, or seeing visuals of like two guys on screen or a trans girl on screen, like those things are important. So I think it's all about purpose and attention. Okay, I agree with that. Um, me. I don't know. It's I lived a very eventful life. So some of my situations come from you hear me say girl, I'm talking about a girl. When you hear me say son, my guy, nigga, I'm talking about it. Like it's it's, it's really it's it's whatever the song is for the situation that I wrote for me. Mm-hmm. And like being that I'm like I don't identify as like gay specifically like i just i that's not like i i even being with a guy i still like being with guys that enjoy having sex with women mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's, it, it's it's an up and down thing for me like whatever whatever you hear in the song that's what it's about mm-hmm. like I, I never really think too much about like whether you say girl or guy i remember hearing songs when i was younger and if it was from a female she was talking about a guy in my mind, sometimes I would change it to girl. Sometimes I'd just let it ride as guy, like, depending on what situation I'm thinking about mm-hmm. while I'm singing the song. So I don't, I don't think, but as far as that main, mainstream thing, that's like a tricky road because it's, people look at, in order to be mainstream, you have to pick a side. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, like, yo, you really don't, especially if your life has been as eventful as mine. I didn't been in orgies where I ain't never even touched a dude. Mm-hmm. I only touched the women. Mm-hmm. Vice versa. Like it's, it's it's so it's just like I don't know. I'm gonna write a song. I got a song called Another Round. It's about getting head in a club. After I just got out of being locked up, I could have got head while I was locked up from one of them niggas, but I didn't. I decided to get it from a chick when I got out of prison. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean. So it's just like it's always a up and down for me, like. I, I choose whatever the situation itself is about that I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. Inclusion. Yeah. 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 Well, and I'm glad that you said that word because that <laughs> segues me into the thought process that I'm having while we're having this conversation right now. I find it very... Mm-hmm. Let, let the words out, Frank. It's not <laughs> ironic. Uh, but it is. Ironic is like the surface word that I'm going to use for this. But it's ironic to me how, as categorically queer artists, and I will use queer as a blanket statement to cover us all. That it's just like an artist. Right. Um, That it seems like as I speak to more artists, that there's this thought process that goes into making sure that everyone feels welcomed in your artistry, Mm. which is something that has never been afforded to you as an artist. Mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. so I have for myself I have this like battle within my brain to be like I really want y'all to talk about these niggas because fuck yeah. them we've been listening to y'all <laughs> talking about pussy all this time I don't want to hear it I want to hear my artist tell me about their man <laughs> and how he ain't shit and how I burned up all his like I want to hear those things but I yeah. also appreciate the fact that as a community, we have always rooted for the underdogs because we've always been that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find it unfortunate that as queer artists, you all have to do this fucking creative contortionism. A quick question. Mm-hmm. See, I'm a person who, like, before my sexuality was ever even a thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God pushed me out of my mom's vagina mm-hmm. he pushed out an artist mm-hmm. so before my mm-hmm. sexuality even becomes my story mm-hmm. my artistry is my story first and foremost like that was the first gift that he gave me Right. so like I don't know I've always looked at it as like I don't like to 
because of society. When you say I'm a queer artist, I'm a gay artist, I'm whatever. I just don't, I don't even think those words need to be in front of me. But my I'm thing, a fucking artist. If that's if any word goes in front of artists, it's I'm a fucking artist. <laughs> my thing is that like, way back when we didn't have artists where they could say they're openly gay or openly bisexual. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they have to play this safe, they have to play it safe where, oh, don't use your identifying pronouns or try mm-hmm. and make this sound narrow. Like in a song, you want to say boy, but they're like, don't say that or say girl. And what about the person that's just like me that does not know what's going on mm-hmm. with them inside internally. What am I supposed to listen to? How am I supposed to save his life when he about to slit his wrist? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a deeper message behind it, but for some odd reason, yeah. all all the artists that we've brought on the series thus far, the closing question has always been something that I've always wondered and wanted an answer to from someone other than myself. Mm-hmm. Like I felt yeah. like it was time for the artists to actually speak from the ins- like from themselves opposed to having to consistently be silenced to put out their art like no do or, this, or, do or, or or there's a perfect pc media answer as to i, I give it to you. Mm-hmm. the thing yeah. is i do think that there's a there's so i, I think there's a balancing act that happens i think because i'm naturally an artist who doesn't write with pronouns i balance that out with my videos, I'm like, you're going to see a nigga. Like, that's... Every time I talk to a director, my thing is, like, or, and I'm going to say this here, you will always get the finest... I'm going to Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry of the shit. You have the yes. finest niggas in my video. That's what you're going to get. And I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like you can appease, not appease everyone, but you can appease yourself as a, a creative. Mm-hmm. While also having, while also having the masters and still being yourself, mm-hmm. um, like I said, like I'm, if you see me out in public, some people might say I'm not the the, the gayest of the girls, mm-hmm. um, and so my music doesn't necessarily reflect a, a lot of those uh, experiences. Like I, I'm. Don't get me wrong, nobody's nobody's man. <laughs> 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 But the idea is that there are certain experiences that come with being uh, hyper-feminine that I can't write about, that I don't know about, that I can't mm-hmm. speak from. And so because of that, my the pronouns or experiences I put in my music won't reflect that. Or I have to tap into somebody else and their experience in order to convey that. And so I think that it's a balancing act that happens for artists. We, we have to know, one, there's a responsibility as an artist to tell our stories that yeah, also help other people. Um, but two, also, if Ultimately, everyone has their goal that they want to have in it. Some people's goal is to go mainstream. Some people's goal is to prove to themselves that they can do it. Some people's goal is like, I just want to yeah. be able to float from bar to bar and be able to perform and have fun. Um, so you're, it's really about what you want out of it. And if it happens that your decision on how you approach it gives you mainstream success and that's what you want, I don't see why that's the problem. I, I, I think personally, mainstream is... If if all my friends and my family is streaming my shit, that's mainstream to me. Mm-hmm. Because now they're getting a part of me that they didn't necessarily get to get all the time. Yeah, y'all like people mm-hmm. are my friends and stuff, but they don't know about the the little boy inside that's like, oh my god, I just love hitting this note, so I'm gonna sing this song because I love <laughs> it's just excitement that I still find inside of like even when I'm in the studio and I hit a certain note in my my producer, like, he'll just say to me, he'll be like, oh, shit, you sound like the 10-year-old having fun. I want that. Mm. I like those moments. But like you were saying, like, I don't think it's really a... I think we need to understand when the responsibility is for us and when the responsibility is for us. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When I say those yeah. two different us's? Yeah. Like, when is the responsibility for us to make sure we save these kids? Because a lot of them need saving. That's mm. one of my biggest things out here. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have specifically black r&b music Mm. i don't think like my brain would have been okay Mm. because i wouldn't have had nothing to stabilize me and give me a storyline and tell me exactly how i should feel Aaliyah has a song called read between the lines yes she does pay attention Mm. to it or not she was giving you game on how to deal with these relationships Mm-hmm. read in between the lines understand what's really going on not the fantasy that you want to create for yourself 
So it's like, if I didn't have those lyrics, like I said earlier, The Roof from Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. if I didn't have that song was about a complete affair, but it was a affair within the a right of feeling downtrodden inside of your actual relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she didn't make it sound like that. She didn't say, oh, I'm cheating on you, nigga. I'm fucking your life over. <laughs> she said, no. <laughs> and it was raining. And it was a misty, stormy November night. Like, she, she gave you the full setup. I mean, <laughs> it was just like, okay, cool. So, like, I don't know. I just, I, I really appreciate you saying that, Don, because it's like, when do you take, when you have to know how to ride the duel of being there for us and then being there for us. Love that. Yeah. Love that. You guys have been fucking awesome today. Thank you so much, Don Plus and Big C, for joining us here. At Thank you. Oh, guys. can I say one more thing? Yeah, can I say one more thing? We did not bring this man's name up, but I really want to thank him because he is just everything in life to me. Chad Bailey is the yeah, fucking yeah. We got Chad Bailey. Yes, I, I got that. Bugs, Pink Gorilla, mm-hmm. Tia, Bruno yeah. Cassidy, all everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. Thank mm-hmm. like y'all, y'all. Thank you because y'all really like y'all made sure that y'all held it down and shouts out like yes. man, yeah. all love yeah. to everybody that's a part of every situation because that's how it's going to get bigger for sure thank yeah. you so much for joining us and doing the things um well first and foremost it's two things one mm-hmm. we normally do end on our mental health set however mm-hmm. for prideful sounds i want you guys to give a tip to another artist Ooh. up and coming do i have okay. to say their name or not you don't have to say their name. All right, cool. I mean, I would say their name because I'm really upfront like that. <laughs> but um, wait a minute, hold on. That's not really. Somebody change somebody. No, 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 no. It's, it's actually Here's, oh, and what? That's another thing. I don't know if y'all listening to me. Don't, I'm never being a shady person. I'm just super. It's a Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm real upfront. When you come out of Brooklyn, you say what exactly what the fuck you gotta say, mm. and like it's never shade. It's just always exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to give advice to any other artist, yo, keep being true to your pen. Mm. Your story is just as good as any other fucking story. Don't think it's less. Don't think it's dumb. Don't think it's elementary or rudimentary. That's the word I've been Come on, using. <laughs> Don't think that. <laughs> like, your story is your story, and it's deep. Mm-hmm. Because it's your story. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there may be a lot of things I say in my music that people are like, oh, I necessarily can't relate to that. But I know Shit, I look at my analytics. Somebody in Swansea, UK, somebody in fucking Brazil, and somebody in fucking Peru, they understand what the fuck is going on, and it's touching them. And as long as it's touching those three people that's in those places, I'm good with that. So yeah, that's my advice. Stay true to your pen. When you write it, don't second guess yourself and go through the whole, oh, this is corny, this is boring, nobody's gonna like this. Fuck everybody. Period. Do you like it, and does it set your heart free? Love that. Don plus. My piece of advice would be be patient. It's a process. Um, what I've learned through this whole thing is things are going to evolve. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to cry. <laughs> you're going to be mad. Oh, you're going to be mad. <laughs> you're going to be broke. You're going to be like trying to figure out how things are going to work. Um, but stick to the course and trust trust your instincts when it comes to your creativity. Yes. Um, those. those things are going to get you a long way and um listen those are the things that are still getting you through now the album's not out yet so <laughs> yes. thank you once again so much for being here can you tell the people where to find you on the socials oh yes you can find me at it's don underscore music everywhere that's twitter instagram facebook everywhere uh instagram big c period is music don't forget my dot that's the only way you find me different than all these like other artists. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm the only R&B one on top of that. Um, <laughs> Twitter sounds like Big C. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just look me up. I'm, I'm everywhere to be found. And if you don't find me there, yo, just type in Big C. Send me a message through Spotify. Send me a message through Title. I, I answer everything. I'm really nice. I sound aggressive, but I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's oh, weird because I think I'm the opposite. Like I look, I look nice and pleasant, but I might be a little me. <laughs> yes, but see, that's what I mean. So you get along, bro. Yeah. That's why I mean you get along. I bro. be a little me. It's a Sagittarius energy for me. Yes. 
So, yes, thank you all for joining us Woo-hoo! here at Powerful Sounds for Who Raised You Hoes. Red light number 24. Yeah. Yes, we encourage you to like, comment, rate, subscribe Do us. Do something. On Apple Podcasts, <laughs> listen to us, stream us, share it with a friend, share it with your loved ones, share it with your haters. So we are heard everywhere. Um, jump in them DMs if you have suggestions, comments, concerns, whatever have you. We will appreciate all of it. And uh, anything else for it? If you want us on your show. Hello. You want to be on the show. Hello. The e- for business inquiries, the email is wryhpodcast at gmail.com. One more time, friend. Wryhpodcast at gmail.com. Make it happen. One more thing. What up? Where's our listening letters? Where are they? Seriously. I know y'all listening. Sending listening letters all day. Please? I am single. <laughs> <laughs> please don't fill it with um Dixie Mail, please. You know how to Big find him. Mail. That's cute. <laughs> um, for the WRYH podcast at gmail.com. Once again, A S K W R Y H podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your you busy are schedule welcome. to be here with us. And we finish next week with the finale. That's it. So, yes. oh, shout out next week. Yes, Medina Green and Black Fairy will be here to close out the Prideful Sound series with us. Yes, thank yes, you guys yes, so yes. much. And we'll I love see- you, Don. Ah, oh, thanks, Bixby. I love you too, man. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Peace, Peace out. out.